beautiful, isn't it? I'm going to let it sink in for a second. That's what 54,000 people singing the same song at Anfield sound like. Not only those 54,000 people, there are over 50 million Liverpool fans worldwide singing that song together. Because although Liverpool's population is around 500,000, their social media following is over 51 million. Now these 51 million people, they have nothing in common. Nothing at all. Except one thing. Their love and passion for Liverpool Football Club. Liverpool is creating a common identity by forming bonds between individuals that would otherwise not meet, not know anything about each other, not care about each other at all. But thanks to soccer, they come together at every game day and these 51 million people sing, walk on, walk on, with hope in your heart and you'll never walk alone. That's the beauty of soccer. That's the beauty of of Liverpool Football Club. It brings people of different cultures, different backgrounds, different everything except one thing, their love and passion for Liverpool, and together they sing a song that unites them and they cheer on the same team. Hey everybody and welcome to another episode of Soccer, Foot and Football. As you may have guessed it by that little introduction, uh, today's podcast is episode number three of our different case studies of different countries and institutions and how soccer impacts politics, uh, identity, and cosmopolitanism in those various case studies. So today, of course, is the UK. Um, I hope you enjoyed that little introduction. I thought it'd be a nice little something different to start us off. I know that song always gives me goosebumps. Um, and I'm sure some of you feel the same way. I mean, it is the uh, the song that brings people together, like I said. Um, so kind of to get things started, we're going to stay focused on Liverpool. Of course, this is a whole UK case study, but I think the, U- the Liverpool is a good example. But instead of focusing on the fans, we're going to go straight to the players right now. So I was looking at... Liverpool's starting lineup from the 2019 Champions League final, the the one they won. And I I realized that out of their starting 11, they had three players from the UK. That's it, just three. They had two English, which were Trent Alexander-Arnold and Henderson. And they had one Scottish, which was Robertson. The rest of the players in the starting 11 were not from the UK. So you have... Your Mohamed Salah from Egypt. You got your Sadio Mane from Senegal. You got your Virgil Van Dyke from the Netherlands. You got Allison from Brazil, and so on and so forth. In total, there were seven countries represented in Liverpool's starting eleven, which is just astonishing. And it further illustrates the point I was making with the fans of bringing people together. I mean, if you're in Egypt right now, you're watching Liverpool because Mohamed Salah is on the team. If you're in Senegal, you're watching Liverpool because Sadio Mane is on the team. And then all of a sudden, these people from Egypt, from Senegal, from the Netherlands, so on and so forth, have something in common with someone from Liverpool. Which is just crazy that it brings that many people together from from different backgrounds to, to cheer on the same team. And then if you go up the food chain a little bit, you just it just illustrates it more and more. So here's what I mean. Uh, Jurgen Klopp, the manager, German. You go a little bit higher up the food chain, you got the owners. American John Henry, 
Tom Werner, as well as other people, including LeBron James. LeBron James is a part owner of Liverpool Football Club, which is crazy. And he talks about soccer in the U.S. quite frequently, honestly, in press conferences and all that. Again, bringing in a new audience, bringing in people that maybe follow basketball, maybe are huge fans of LeBron James, and all of a sudden are like, oh, you know what, maybe I'll give soccer a try, maybe I'll watch a Liverpool game because my favorite athlete is a part owner of Liverpool. And and again, Liverpool is just an example. And this happens to, to clubs from, from all over Europe, but I, I think especially the UK just because of the sheer popularity of, of the Premier League. But but the Premier League doesn't even have the top two in terms of social media followings for, for various clubs. So I was reading an article, and this article is actually from 2018, so the numbers might have changed a little bit. But five of the top ten clubs for following are from the UK. So you got Manchester City, 10th. You got Liverpool, 9th. Um, then you have, let's see, um, Arsenal is 6th. Then you got um, Chelsea, 4th. And Man United, 3rd. So those are the English clubs in the top ten. And to round out the top ten, so I'll give you the other clubs that are in English. You got uh, Juventus in 8th. Paris Saint-Germain, 7th. Um, then you got in 5th, Bayern Munich. And then 1st and 2nd, um, you have Barcelona 2nd and Real Madrid 1st. Uh, and to give you an idea of just how big these numbers get, uh, Real Madrid has over 200 million followers on social media. Uh, the biggest English one was, was Man United, as I said, and they were at 115 million back in 2018. So I'm sure they've reached probably over 120 easily at this point. But just think about how big those numbers are. I mean, like I said, Liverpool's population is 500,000 and their social media following is 51 million. Like, that's that's astonishing. It's crazy to me to, uh, that they managed to, to have such a large following. But I guess it makes sense when you think about all the players from, from different areas making the clubs popular everywhere and then televising the games everywhere. It's just the spread of the English game is huge, and it really impacts that common identity that I, I keep bringing up through the game of soccer. I think it it really does. Um, I think uh, another interesting story from, from the UK is one that uh, Andre Markowitz uh, wrote in his book, uh, Gaming the World. Um, it's... Here, it, go, it goes kind of like this. So it's... Uh, it's a Glasgow fan and, and a Rangers fan, or, or rather, they're at a Rangers and Glasgow, Glasgow Rangers versus Celtic fan, excuse me, and they're at the game, and the man approaches a woman and asks, what are you? And then, assuming that the man was talking about her heritage and, and religion, the woman responds, I'm a Muslim. The man turns to her and says, I know you are a Muslim, but are you a Celtic wo- Muslim or a Rangers Muslim? So essentially, to the man, it, it doesn't matter where you're from, what your background is, what your religion is, he doesn't care. Well, I guess religion is, might be a little different for Celtic Rangers. But anyway, the background doesn't matter in this case. What matters is do you support Celtic or do you support Rangers? That's all this man cared about. And it really illustrates, to a certain extent, how soccer can help ignore other characteristics, such as uh, race or background or things like that, but also shows a little bit some of the divide. I mean, the Celtic Rangers... Rivalry is has a bad history and and uh, being a very violent rivalry. I won't get too far into it, but obviously it's uh, it's 
somewhat a religious rivalry uh, to a certain extent. <clears throat> but but this specific story illustrates how, how this guy just ignores aspects of background and all that. Just cares about what team you like. If you like the same team as me, we're friends. You know, <laughs> it's all good. Um, but uh, unfortunately, it's not always that easy. So um, there's an organization in the United Kingdom. I think it focuses on English soccer called Kick It Out which essentially strives to kick discrimination out of stadiums and, and things like that. Um, and they're, they're a great organization for kind of keeping statistics about, um, about like discrimination incidences in English soccer. So they track not only professional leagues, but they also focus um, on, <clears throat> on the amateur leagues and, and semi-professional and whatnot. So, in the 2012-2013 season, they received 77 reports of discrimination in English soccer. That number went up in 2013-2014 to 284. It went up again the next season to 393, went up again to 402, went up again to 469, went up again to 520, and then the 2018-2019 season went up again to 581 reports of discrimination in soccer stadiums and on social media between soccer fans. So that's six consecutive years <coughs> of the number going up. And to give you an idea, kind of to break it down, in the 2018-2019 season, there were 373 cases based on race, 17 on gender, 90 based on religion, and 91 on sexual orientation. So that's pretty sad, honestly. The, those numbers are quite appalling to think about and when you just think about this on the surface the increase of six years in a row is, is terrifying you would think that society should be moving the other way that there should be less discrimination in stadiums and things like that but i do want to share an interesting take that um take it out the organization actually mentioned in a one like kind of a one-liner explaining their data but i thought was a very interesting proposition and uh something to explore is that they said that perhaps the constant increase over the last six years is not as detrimental as it may seem because it could actually illustrate that civil society that people in stadiums are taking the initiative and actually reporting these issues more and more so not that more and more incidences are occurring but that more and more incidences are being reported and that's a huge distinction because personally i mean i don't have any data or facts to back this up but I'm inclined to believe that discrimination in soccer stadiums, especially in English soccer, haven't necessarily increased in terms of comments, in terms of yelling out discriminatory things and uh, based on race, gender, religion, sexual orientation, or, or anything else. I'd, I don't know if it's because I want to believe it, but I think there's some truth to, this, to saying that it's actually just more people taking action and reporting it because more and more people are appalled by those comments which which i think is a good thing i mean throughout the series of podcasts you're going to hear with uh with professor markovitz um we talk about civil society and how civil society plays plays a very important role in terms of changing changing the game changing like discrimination in stadiums and whatnot we talk about how sanctions sometimes from governing bodies whether it be the british soccer federation or, or uefa or whatnot might not be effective 
But that instead, if you have fans telling other fans to to knock it off and and to report them and eventually kicking those people out of stadiums, it's a much more effective way of handling the situation. Because if fans are telling other fans, stop, you can't do that, that's not right, it's much more powerful than than, uh, a governing body telling you, you can't do it. Uh, So... So really, it might be, although it's sad uh, in the first place to have that many incidences of discrimination, it could be a step in the right direction. I truly think so. Um, So that, kind of the other things I had uh, written out for the UK are all stuff that I talk about with Professor Markovitz. So I don't want to bore you by repeating it again. uh, But instead, I encourage you to keep listening to that series of podcasts. Uh, the next three are coming out fairly soon. Um, but that's going to wrap things up for today. A nice little short episode. I hope you enjoyed it. And uh, make sure you come back for an episode I am releasing Wednesday. It is an interview with business insider sports journalist Meredith Cash. Uh, she wrote a very interesting piece about the U.S. Uh, women's national team's lawsuit against the U.S. Soccer Federation for equal pay. And um, I was lucky enough to interview her. She was uh, nice enough to come on to the podcast and give us kind of an explanation of what's going on there. So that will be released on Wednesday, a very interesting episode. I know I learned a lot about um, what's going on with equal pay in soccer, specifically in the United States. So make sure you tune into that on Wednesday. Other than that, I hope you have an excellent rest of your day. Um, Stay healthy and well, and that's going to do it for today. Thank you all for listening.